self-care means giving the world the best of you instead of what is left of you. That is such a great quote by Katie Reed. Welcome to HEAL, conversations to guide you toward personal growth and overall well-being. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of HEAL. We're so excited, Britt. We have a guest that neither of us actually know. Yeah. <laughs> How exciting is that? It's awesome. We just met this beautiful woman. Her name is Anna Groves, and she reached out to me recently um, after seeing my uh, post about our podcast, and she wanted to um, share her story. Her story is a very unique one, perhaps not as unique as I think. Um, I bet you there are a lot of moms and families who might be going through what she's going through. Um, But she wanted to talk a little bit about her children, mostly about her oldest. Um, I'll let her talk more about it um, and how she has been helping him, but most importantly, how there came a time in her life in caring for her children that she felt like she needed to Um, practice self-care in order to be there for her kids. So I think this is such an important topic for many reasons, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'll let her say hello um, and tell us her story. Hi, Anna. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for reaching out um, and putting yourself out there. I think that your story will help so many other people. Yes. Like I said, I'm, I've been looking for ways to share my story because I do think it's important um, for uh, parents to know that they're not alone um, when, you know, their child is struggling. Right. So your oldest, you have three children, but you shared yes. with me that your oldest was diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome um, at a young age, probably around the age of nine-ish. It was, um, he was six when he, six was, when diagnosed. he was diagnosed with the tic yep. disorder. Yep. Yes. And then, um, the Tourette's diagnosis. Yeah. Or a few years later. Um, and really what that meant is that, um, there were, I think three or more vocal and motor tics, um, that he was exhibiting, um, along with a couple of other mental health issues. Um, so the, the Tourette diagnosis was, was then um, used as the main diagnosis. So at six years old, um, just so uh, the listeners, and if they have any questions about this or if they're concerned about their own children, at six years old, what made you think that you needed to, what, what, what were you seeing? What kind of behaviors or what was happening in his little life? At that time. Right. So, uh, well, before that, he showed um, some motor motor tics. I would say starting around three years of age, and that was, you know, blinking um, and kind of hopping. He would do this nodding thing with his head, and so that was around three. And you know, I saw it, and I thought, mm, I don't know. He he was always kind of a tough child, even as a newborn, colicky. Um, very sensitive to sound, light, all the things. Um, 
So I just thought, well, this is his way of handling life right now. You know, he's going to blink and he's going to do these things. And then the motor tick started and uh, I'm sorry, the vocal tick started and that were, that looked like, um, or sounded like clearing his throat, mm-hmm. which we, you know, and we had gone back and forth to the pediatrician, um, the blinking, they thought maybe he was dry eyes. So they gave us eye drops, the throat clearing. They thought, well, he might have allergies. So we, you know, had allergy medication for him. Um, then he, there was another vocal tick that kind of concerned me because I had nothing related to do. It was, it was almost like a bark. Um, and it was loud. Yeah. So, and then he's, you know, hopping and there was just a lot. So I remember going to the pediatrician saying, you know, I'm concerned something's not right. Um, and they sent us to children's hospital. Um, Not to mention the fact that this is your, your first baby, correct? This is your, this is my first. Yeah. This was my first. Yeah. So I didn't know, I didn't, you know, well, actually backtrack a little bit. I, my whole life has been spent with children, young children too. So I knew that something wasn't right. I just didn't know what mm-hmm. a lot of children have little quirky ticks mm-hmm. a lot. What that looks like they're, you know, they might do something with their hands or, um, blink a lot of, blinking oh, yeah, ticks. I was just going to say, I mean, in my profession, I've seen that a lot, like excessive blinking or and you don't necessarily think much of it it's like okay no you know just see what happens right and I think that's that's why it took us the three years to really be like something's up because you're kind of like okay you know I always thought well he's this quirky little kid and um but we did we went to neurologist at children's and um, whenever he said Tourette syndrome, I, I remember it like it was yesterday where I was, what I, the, the office that we were in. And I thought, no, that's not, no, he doesn't have that. No, no, no. Did you feel, how did you feel though? Like when you, you're hit with a diagnosis, I mean, I, I don't like know. Sick to your stomach, really. Yeah. Even, even though it's not terminal, it's not like they're saying, you know, they wasn't like they were saying my child is cancer. It was just this, this, this kind of unknown diagnosis. I think so. Me. I mean, I know we've probably heard of Tourette's, but not until you're, you've seen someone with Tourette's or right. at least, right. I mean, we don't understand it. I know it's like you said, it was neurological, but um, like, well, I always thought it was anxiety based, but now I know now because of you, I know it's neurological. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so it brings on, you know, so it, I guess, how I describe it to people is that almost like the autism spectrum, you know, there's kind of this, you're diagnosed with autism and then there's this whole different, you know, you can be high functioning, you could be nonverbal. So with Tourette's, there are the ticks, but then there are so many other things. So the OCD, the anxiety, um, and I think we, and ADHD, uh, he's been diagnosed with high functioning autism, ADHD, OCD. I mean, he's poor kid has like six different diagnoses under the Tourette's, but really what it is, is it's Tourette's right. and what happens with um, a severe case, which he has. Um, but like you said, it's very complicated. We're in, you know, the, we're near the best hospitals in the, in the, in the country mm-hmm. and they, oh, I, I mean, if I have one more doctor say he is a complicated case, he is in that gray area, get, like we just, it was very hard to get him the help he needed when he needed it. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of that probably has to do with, um, and I hope you can answer this, but him being so young and trying to rule everything out just yes. causes things to drag on much, much, much longer than you would have hoped. Right, and that, that's what the beginning you know, years were like that, figuring things out, but he was a very functional kid. He went to school. He was actually, he's a very, very smart cognitively. He always, you know, they said he always tested out of these IEP ranges. So he, he just, um, the ticks were very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They, in, they impacted a lot of who he was eventually. Um, but like I said, he played basketball, baseball. He was, he had friends. And then around sixth grade, um, and like I had said before, the, the doctors did say it peaks during puberty and yeah. it does, and it did. And it was like, bam, like it, every single thing that you, that I thought we are going to prevent this. I mean, he was in um, cognitive behavioral therapy, which it helps to kind of retrain your brain to, right. um, so with some of the ticks that he was doing, we were trying that, um, he was on some medications to help with, um, I guess actually it was anxiety so that it would kind of, you know, chill him out a little bit so he wouldn't get all anxious. Um, we were trying everything and it just, it didn't matter. It just hit and and with that was more like I told you before the, um, the like the mental illness part. It was right. mental health. Oh, so many, um, lots of trips to the ER, lots of inpatient psychiatric hospital stays um, for him. Lots of medication changes. I guess my question, I think this just popped into my head. Um, does that come with Tourette's or does? Is, is it just that he has multiple diagnoses like anxiety, depression, mental illness? Does that come with Tourette's? It, it does, it does. And actually there's a really great graphic uh, or picture that I always share um, you know, via Facebook. There's a, a Tourette's Awareness Month, which is May 15th to June 15th. And I always share it because, and I, I'll actually send it to you. I think it's really interesting because it, it kind of shows what, you know, you get your diagnosis and then, the, yeah, these things could happen. You know, the, the most severe forms have those um, mental health components. And unfortunately, you know, our son, he got it all. Wow. <laughs> Said he just, yeah. Um, but, you know, we know a lot of families with, um, with kids with Tourette's and some of them are very much like Jack, um, not as severe. I think he would probably be the most severe right now, but, um, and then others are very mild. And, you know, one of Jack's friends who um, he met, there's a camp actually in Georgia that he went to for kids with Tourette's and he met him there and he is Jack's age, so 17, he's driving, he's looking at colleges. Um, so, you know, it, there's a whole, it's, it's a, it's a range of, um, yeah, severity. it's like you said, it's a spectrum, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, and since we're working with the brain here, of course, the brain yes. is, oh, um, it's a so, big unknown. It is. It's so interesting. And I think, like I told you to kind of fast forward through the years, we decided in the fall 
to, this was after, I mean, he was inpatient for about three months um, at a hospital in Rhode Island who actually were the most wonderful people. They saved us the past two years. Once we found them, they helped us so much. And um, they, he was inpatient. It was no, he had been inpatient since September. It was November. They were doing more medication changes and he was not getting any better. In fact, he was getting, he was getting worse. So, you know, a lot of self-interest behaviors, um, which ended up a lot of ER visits for concussion checks because he would bang his head. I mean, yeah. So we decided again, one of those moments that you'll never forget kind of sitting in the parking lot after a phone call from the nurse. And I said, I'm done. What else can we do? I'm done. There's no other more, there's no other medications. You know, I said, does he need a brain transplant? You know, those are the things that were coming out of my mouth and what we found. What did they say? What did they end up saying at that point? Right. So they, they had given us a couple options and then one of them was the ECT therapy that he is actually um, getting, has started in November and has continued to get and has made a world of difference. Um, it, to me, that was scary because I think people, um, it's, a, it's, it's much more humane than it ever was back mm-hmm. in the day, um, mm-hmm. but it is um, inducing a seizure on, you know, so, um, he gets, uh, once a week, he, he, there's, he goes to mass general and he gets put under and he, um, they administer, um, a 60 second seizure. But again, you know, our brains are such an interesting, complex thing that it's working, it's helping. So, and it's is very he still on all of his medications with the PCT or are they taking some away? Yeah, no, they, they were able to take some away. So he started off the ECT, did three days a week um, for th- three months. And then he started to taper off, you know, once a week and then every other week. So the every other week we noticed that was probably March and April. And unfortunately, he needed to go back to once a week because in April we had another incident um, you know, another ER visit, they wanted to put him, uh, they wanted to admit him. And I said, no, he's, he's going back to school and we are going to start up ECT again. And, and it's helped him. He's, he's done, a, you know, done a great job the past few months. So, That's wonderful. Um, and so as a medication, rest for medications, he's only on, I believe, I want to say two now instead of like the six that he was on before and not these, you know, heavy antipsychotic um, medications that were not, they were awful. They, you know, they make them gain weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had a lot of success with that. So tell me a little bit about your other sibling, that his siblings, your other two children, how are they handling all of these from the time, well, I don't know, how old are they? How much younger are they? Right, so my um, the son who is 14 and then I have a daughter who is eight. So the, my daughter okay. doesn't really, I always say, I don't think she remembers yeah. him any different. So how did um, they, well, how did your son, other son handle um, 
handle all of this when when Jack is his name Jack your oldest yeah when yeah. Jack was going through all of this and we talked a lot um yeah. he's a different type of kid I always say he's like polar opposite than than um my old than Jack than his brother where um he, he's kind of quiet kind of keeps to himself um doesn't really let things bother him but then I also now that he's a teenager I also get very nervous because he's just he you know he's all about his friends in his room kind of thing yeah. um but we talk about it a lot I, I, I do even That's if he fair. doesn't you know say anything back to me I I'm always talking about I'm very open good um, well like we don't want to attach a stigma to his condition because yeah. there probably already is one and I'm sure that if you were to talk about it in a normal way with him, then he would understand it's okay to talk about it. And that's really that's exactly. all you want is for your children exactly. to tell you and any, anything. Okay. Yeah. You just want to be open. And I think, um, what, what I think is hard for my middle son is that he has a lot of friends who have older siblings who were friends with Jack at one point. Yeah. yeah. So they know him, they know this, the, um, the story. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I think, you know, I'm very open with all the parents about it all. Um, and that's kind of how I've gotten through all this. I, I taught, you know, I talked to my eight-year-old in a way that's you know, age appropriate for her, but I, mm -hmm. I don't, I just say, you know, your brother's brain is different. Um, mm -hmm. And this is, this is what we're doing for him. You know, he goes to the hospital to get better. His brain is sick. Um, you know, those kind of things. I can imagine when you're wrapped up in it too, it must be hard to be there for the two others. You know, like you're just yes. all wrapped up in helping Jack as much as you can, because that's what you want to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that you're like almost forget about the others. And um, I think that's where, well, our, that's where our story takes a turn. And when I want to talk to you about next if you feel comfortable talking about um the moment you realized that the better the best way that you can be there for all of your children is to start to practice self-care do you mind talking a little bit about that after yes, our break yes okay good we're gonna take a real quick yes, break of course not too long we'll be back in just a moment and when we come back anna is going to share with us the moment she realized when it's important, it was important for her to start caring for herself so she could be um, there for her ch children, her other kids, all of her kids. And we'll be yes. back in just a second. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much uh, for coming back with us. Uh, we're still here with Anna Groves and we're just about to talk about um, how the moment she decided when it was time for her to start relying on self-care as a way to get her through these tough times. So Anna, thank you so much. Um, was there a specific moment where it all kind of hit you or was it more of a gradual um, progression? I think that it was definitely a gradual progression. I've always been one to um, exercise and eat, you know, relatively healthy. I like taking care of myself that way. Um, but I think the, um, the point, I got to a point where I thought I need, I need more help in general. 
with my other two, I need to ask for if people. Can you repeat that, Anna? You need to ask for what? I said, uh oh, we're having some technical difficulties. Hold on. <laughs> I'm going to put my I'm going to do something real quick. If you could just repeat that again, you noticed that you needed to ask for help, did you say? Uh -oh. oh no, hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Gotta love technology. Yeah. Oh, um so I think we're I just there was a, it was definitely gradual, but there was a few things that I knew that I needed to do to be um, present and happier and uh, available to my kids. And that was one, make an effort to exercise. So I ended up, and I know people think it's horrible to do, but I was, I was up at 5 a.m. getting to the gym. Um, even though I didn't want to, I did it. In well, you know what I think about that? I think about that as you're creating a routine, which is consistent and it's something you can rely on. So perhaps yes. Jack's situation was not something that was consistent that you could rely no. on. Like it no. was, it was <laughs> something that's unpredictable almost on a day-to-day -day basis. So then creating a routine for yourself actually provide some stability for you, perhaps maybe that's, and you were exercising. And so, and yeah. And I think, no, I think you're right in that. I, there was so much, um, unpredictability, you know, with, with everything that was going on on a daily basis every day that for me to get up and I wasn't doing it every day, but you know, two, three times a week, get up, you know, exercise. And then I could really kind of, handle the day. And then I was tired at night too, because what I was noticing is I wasn't sleeping well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that would put me into a whole nother state of mind. And, um, I would be up at night, you know, thinking about things and, but getting up at, you know, four forty-five, five o'clock, I was tired and I fell asleep. So that was helpful. Um, so that was one thing. Also, again, that, um, taking, when people ask for help, taking their help because I think for so long I was, I can do it. I can do everything. Um, we don't have family around here. So I, I couldn't rely on family, which is a lot easier to be like, sure, come over, please, you know, mm -hmm. take my kid, you know, whatever. It, so I, I had to learn to accept help from Especially others. Especially for your two youngest, I'm guessing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And mm -hmm. even just meals when we were, when he was impatient and you know, we were back and forth. Well, he was everywhere, but the, I think the farthest was Cambridge and it was and going in and out of Boston. And um, it was a lot, it yeah. was a lot. Yeah. So um, I, I was very, very grateful for our community. Um, people rallied and really helped us a lot um, yeah. during those two really tough years. I mean, and even still they're, they're wonderful. Yeah. Um, so and asking for help, I say asking for help is probably if you have to put one message out there for I'm going to say women, so men don't get all hurt. But <laughs> I feel well, men don't do it either. But I feel like women really don't want to, to ask for help. A lot of women, I don't like to generalize. 
But when it comes to taking care of their family and their children, it's like, nope, I've got this. I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I think it's just this, I don't know why we carry that responsibility on our shoulders when we even know, and you, you know, working in the field that you work in, it takes a village to, to raise children, you know, it does. It does. And especially one with, you know, different needs. And, um, I think, Another thing that I started doing was um, I found a wonderful therapist and I had been in and out of therapy and I never felt like I connected with anyone to kind of like want to stick with and go back every other week or whatever. Um, But this woman, I just, she's wonderful. And so I I started doing that. Um, And I actually changed a lot of, I was, you know, I was running on caffeine, you know, I was drinking coffee, drinking coffee, you know, I was trying to do 60,000 things at once. Um, I started to really slow myself down. Good. And I, I continue to struggle with that. so I continue to really work on that because I think as a working mom, um, you're always multitasking. And then, you know, you add some the doctor's appointments and the phone calls and the you know, emails now from his school. And it's just, it's constant. Mm-hmm. It's constant. And what, what it's doing is putting your mind and body in your fight in that fight or flight mode. Yes. Because it's, you're constantly busy. So you're, yes. you know, if we put it in those terms, you're always looking around, looking over your shoulder and wondering what's next, what's next, what's next. Exactly. And then, you know, you get an email from the school and then you get something from the doctor and then you get always having a bad day. And then you get, you know, it's just like attack, 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 attack. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've said this before on this podcast, Britt. Have I said this before <laughs> on this podcast? And it takes just that, yeah, it takes one, that one email that puts you right over the edge because you're already in that hyper um, oh, yeah. vigilant mode, like mood, mode, whatever. Um, yeah. And I think the cool thing, um, you know, you're talking about going to the gym in the morning. I feel like, it, you know, like my mom said, it's like a, it's a routine that we all kind of crave, but also it's just like half an hour, an hour, however long you spend there where you don't have to think about anything else. You exactly. Know? So you're just there, you're doing what you have to do. You know, you're getting your workout in and then then you can kind of take on the day, like you said. So and expending energy that's probably worked up in her. Yeah. And yes. It's something yeah. you can control. You can control waking up, going to the gym, working out, coming home. Whereas mm-hmm. everything else was just, come. well, anything and everything is out of our control, but you know what I mean? Right. You know? Right. And, um, and, and like you said, Britt, I would, I would put those, you know, earbuds in and I would just, yeah, put my music on probably too loud. And I would just, and I wasn't really like a big, I'm not running and running and running, but I was just, I was moving. And I, I mean, it's just, it's so important. And I know it's so hard for people um, to get into a routine like that because it's so early, but for me, um, it really helped. And this was just over like what, two years ago, I think I started going really early to the gym. So it wasn't anything that I ever, you know, I was doing forever. Um, but I think it's so, if I think one piece of advice would be to do, do something for yourself like that. And I, and I go so early because I know that nobody needs me at 5am. That's right. Maybe, maybe the dog needs to be let out, but you know, <laughs> It's easy enough. <laughs> yeah. 
Nobody and also would... exercise can also energetically ground you. So when mm. you're, when your life is in, I'm not going to, I'm not calling your life chaos, Anna. It is though, but it, is. But it can feel chaotic. <laughs> so when your life is chaotic, I think extra, I know exercise can ground you depending on the exercise. But I think that again, providing routine and structure is mm -hmm. a feeling of safety and security. So mm -hmm. that also grounds you. So it's important. Yeah. It is. Um, I also, I had a lot of um, people recommending, you know, meditation. Um, I always liked yoga. I don't do enough of it, but I really do like it. And when I do it, it, it definitely makes me feel better, but, you know, kind of meditating, which I find very hard. Cause like yeah. I said, my brain does not stop. Um, um, all right. So here I go <laughs> on my little shtick. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Meditation, especially mindful meditation, I tell my students is that you know, it's not about emptying your brain of thoughts, because I'm not sure we can, we can do that with practice, but it's really not about emptying your brain of thoughts. So the thoughts are always going to be there back and forth in and out, trying to test you and, and distract you and all that stuff. But the key to meditation is the more you practice it, the more that when you're not meditating, you realize that you're not present. It's just mm. practicing becoming more present. So you have an affirmation, you have a focus and you focus on it. And when you realize you're distracted, you come back to it and then you realize you're distracted and then you come back to it and then you realize you're distracted. So that's all you do during meditation is to get distracted and come back. But the more you practice it, especially daily, um, the more that you will realize that you're distracted during your everyday non-meditative state. So when you're yeah. at work, you're trying to have a conversation and you realize you are able to realize more frequently that you're not in that conversation. So you can oh, yeah. bring yourself back and bring yourself back. And so that's what meditation does. Don't, so don't think that you're not doing it right because your brain's not empty. Okay. Now that's good to know. Cause I do feel like that when I can get into something like that, my house is quiet, which again is usually like 5 a.m. Um, <laughs> I do feel I do feel good. Um, yeah. I did go to a yoga class recently and I, I, I think I was just tired too, but I, during the, um, oh, with it, with it, I, yes, it's my favorite part. Oh, I just <laughs> really, I, when they say you go into a different state, I was, and I <laughs> thought, am I sleeping? No. Cause I hear everything. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, but that was a very structured environment where you know, we were, there was nothing else that I needed to do. So, um, but it is so those, those are the types of things that I think people in general, even if you don't have children, you, you need to do because yeah, do. we are yeah. stressed out society, you know, yes, we are. <laughs> I'm only laughing Kids because I'm so stressed out. Kids are stressed <laughs> yes. out. Everyone's stressed out. Past year didn't help, but we were stressed out before that too. We were, we were. I, and I think um, it's easy to, or for me, it was easy to, regarding last year, it was easy for me to be like, I can't, you know, one more thing that I have to deal with and one more thing and to get really, really negative. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that that doesn't do anything. It doesn't help anything. No, it doesn't, it doesn't help. help. It makes things worse, especially it physically does. and energetically for your mm -hmm. body. I talk a lot about energy just because that's what I work with, but um, it's the truth. So, so Anna, you exercise, you love to exercise anyways, you said, right? But then you started making yes. that a routine and then you um, tried yoga. You said, look at my hair. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> yes, we're still recording. I just, I feel like no. Einstein right now. My well, you've been face. in a hot, you've probably been in a hot building all day, right? I have been. Yes. Um, yes. Anyway, sorry, I'm easily distracted. Um, <laughs> but then you said you liked yoga. You also were eating well. Did you have to make a change in your diet or you typically ate well, you said? Um, I think I... I want to eat well. I think that's a goal of mine. Um, but I could definitely get on like, you know, I was eating, I was craving sugar because oh. that's what happens. Um, I wonder you know, because you were so tired. Yes. And then my body was like that. I, I, I don't know. There's some background to that. Somebody told me, but I, I was, you, you asked my kids, they would say, mom, why do you have gummy worms in your car like because I would just pop them so a lot of sugar and I've cut down on that you know I treat myself though I like my cookies I like what but I was I was not eating right I mean my lunch consisted of a coffee and you know maybe a protein bar and some gummy you know those kind of things and then I would just go about my business because I wasn't I'm the kind of person and I know a lot of people have some the op or opposite where when I'm upset, I, the food is not my comfort zone, you know, like, and so where, where people, other people are, you know, food is their comfort is their way to kind of handle, um, their, um, was depression, anxiety, whatever. But for me, I just, would, so I wasn't eating what I needed to eat. Sounds like you were on drinking a lot of coffee and consuming a lot of sugar that just kept you going. Right. And I'm 47 and I couldn't handle that. My body was not handling that well anymore. So I think in my thirties, twenties and thirties, it was like, okay, but, um, you know, wait till you get to be 50, 51. That's fun. And then you're like, how come I can't eat a potato chip anymore? Yeah. Right. Although I still eat them sometimes. Well, yes, you have to, otherwise you, you know, you can't, I always say everything in moderation, otherwise you're going to be miserable. But, um, but I, it was more, for me, it was more, I think the coffee, honestly. And so I, I started to um, kind of just have, I, I really only have one cup now. Um, I was having a lot of stomach issues, shockingly. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> wonder why. Um, it's so yeah. weird. <laughs> so I started to look into um, some more like homeopathic um, ways to cure that instead of, you know. So tell me some of those. Yeah. So I, I, they're real, I, I don't know. I, I go on Pinterest or I go online or I go on Instagram and I see these, I'm always looking for ideas. And, um, so my, my new, my, my current favorites are, um, it's a, it's, it's a drink. It's, um, I boil water. Yeah. I put, um, lime in it. So yeah. you boil water, you take it off the heat boil um put lime ginger and turmeric yeah and then I put it in the fridge I put it in a mason jar and I put it in the fridge and I drink that and I kind of just refill the water every now and then um I drink that I don't know I feel like that helps it's making my my stomach has been much better that's good um I also what else am I doing again that just cutting out the caffeine and the sugar, um, not fully, but you know, not as, um, as much as I was doing before. 
That's amazing. I've definitely have started being more intuitive with my eating. Like I'd eat something and be like, okay, how do I feel? Yeah. And if it's really bad, then I, I try not to eat those things. It's been, you know, I it's been really helpful. I always cut, not made fun, but I always thought, oh, 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 you're so perfect. You know, you eat so healthy and yay you, and you know, you do this, that, and the other thing. And, but it makes sense. I don't know if my age now, but it just, it, I prefer to not feel like that because yeah, <laughs> you, I, to, for me, if my stomach is not hurting me, I can handle life, you know? Yeah. And, um, I think before it was just, I, I was hardly ever home either and then when I was but I also think that you were truly just surviving you were just getting through each day each day each day what's next what's next yeah I get it I get it and I think so many of us go ahead no I was just saying it was easy to throw on like chicken tenders for the kids and then you know and tater tots and I mean we still do that but that sounds fabulous (laughs) but yeah little things like that nothing crazy just little changes. And you know what? I'm always, I always say I'm a work in progress. Nothing's perfect. Um, but those are the, those are the few things that have helped me so far. Yeah. Well, we are continually learning about ourselves and then we change, you know, our body changes, our life situation changes, things change and we have to relearn mm-hmm. and that's okay. Relearning yeah. is okay. And we're always progressing. Yes. Let's hope we're always progressing. I right, agree. Right? I always say change. <laughs> I'm trying to get Brittany to say something, but she's muted. So she's not talking. Oh, she's me. muted. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, look it. There she is. You know, I just, I live on a very loud street. So I just. I'm um... always teasing her on a, that's all. It's just kind of like the side commentary on the podcast. I just tease her. Isn't that what parents do though? I, I horrify my, my other two. I, I'm just an, an embarrassing embarrassment. <laughs> it just makes them stronger. That's all. It's it true. does. <laughs> <laughs> I love your story, Anna. And I'm so happy that Jack seems to be in a good space right now. Good place. Yes. Right now. Yes. And your other two children are doing well. They are. They got through this year and I'm proud of them. And, you know, we just keep, keep on going, getting through the days the best we can right now. That's great. And make sure that you never stop putting yourself first because you won't be able to take care of them if you're not. And it's not selfish. Don't feel guilty. And it's not like you're ignoring them. You're just taking care of yourself a little bit. So then you can be there for them as well. I agree. And it took me a long time to realize that, but I think there's a rock bottom for everybody. And I, I hit that at some point, not, not, not too bad, but you know, that it was there. I knew that I wasn't myself and I thought I need to make some changes so that I'm okay. Good. Yeah. I'm so glad that you did because, you know, a lot of, again, I don't want to generalize, but I feel like a lot of women wait until they're about my age and then their children are like Brittany's age before they start thinking I should take care of myself. You know, yours are young still. um, And I'm glad that you started now. Yeah. I think in my, my, my daughter, my eight-year-old, I feel like she, she thinks it's great that I go to the gym and she likes to do her stretches with me. So I don't know, for me, I thought I think to myself, well, hopefully I'll, I'm a role model for her. Just, you know, you got to take care of yourself to take care of everybody else. I'm sure you are. Yes. Yes. I'm sure you are. Well, your story is so inspirational. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Well, thank 
you for having me and allowing me to, to, to share, because like I said, I'm always, I've been looking for different ways, you know, different platforms to share. Um, I think mental health is a, a really big crisis, especially with um, children yep. and adolescents I'm, I'm, right now. I think it's really important that this topic is discussed on any platform. I feel like I, I know a lot of women who have had children that have had some issues recently and sometimes they feel shame and guilt about talking about it. But what I say to them, and I've said it before in this podcast, that the moment that you share your story, and I heard this from our very first guest, Brittany Phillips, her name was Andrea. And I say this all the time. And I say it in my own words, because I'm sure I can never quote her, but the moment that you share your story becomes all of ours mm. to shoulder and not just yours. So sharing your story, not only about your son and his challenges and your challenges as his parent, um, but also sharing your story about how you decided I needed to start taking care of myself may give someone else, even if it's just one person, an outlet or an, an idea or a thought or something help, you know? I hope so. Thing. I hope I so hope too. So. Yeah, I think it's really important. I. Um, I just think it's, it, for me, when I started to become more vocal about everything, it helped me to even feel, to feel much better about it, about myself and, you know, what we're doing for my son. Um, so. Right, right, right. There's no shame, no shame no. in helping your kids, no shame no. in mental illness. And hopefully that, that feeling and that thought will, I feel like it's getting a little bit better, but. Well, we have some questions for you before you sign off with us. Are you ready? Sure. Yes. I mean, more questions. Okay. <laughs> but I ask everyone these questions. So okay. when you're at your most peace, peaceful, what are you doing? My most peaceful would be sitting on a beach with a book in my hand, like I did on Saturday. And it was Ooh. so peaceful. That's so great. Good for you. <laughs> All right. I love the beach. Um, yes. Do you have a favorite? I always say self-help book, but you know, I just, I'd like for this whole podcast is about healing and growing and, you know, learning. Um, so if there's a self-help book that is your favorite that you would recommend, that would be fabulous. If there isn't a self-help book, it's okay. Just any book. <laughs> so it's funny you say that and ask me that because I, I was never, I never read self-help books ever. Mm -hmm. Um, and I ended up meeting somebody at the gym, um, and we were chatting and she said to me, you need to read this book. I was, wow. and actually it has a lot to do with meditation and oh, so what's kind it called? Of, yes. Um, and now I can't remember the book's title, but I will get that for you. No, tell me, do you know who wrote it? Ah, no, remember what it looks not, like? Had, it was a, like a mustard yellow cover cover. Is it the four agreements? No, no. Wouldn't that be funny, Brittany, if it was it the four agreements? Everybody always says the four agreements. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think it was. I have to, I read it about a year ago and I, I have to say it, it, it woke me up. You know, you had to do a lot of, um, uh, 
writing down affirmations or in, intentions and all those kind of things. And I thought, well, how silly, I don't want to do this, but I, I did it. And I thought, Ooh, <laughs> okay. So we need, you're going to have to send that to me Yes. when you figure it out. Cause I would like to know what it is. It doesn't sound familiar to me, but that's cool. And if money wasn't an object, what do you think you would be doing with your life? If money was not an object, I, st- I always say my passion is children, but young children. My passion has always been preschool, pre-K, kindergarten. Um, I think the reason I got into an assistant position in a public school is because I carry the benefits. My husband's self-employed. Um, and we needed good benefits because of Jack. So I, I got that position, but my passion is preschool. And um, so I don't know. I always say if I didn't have to work or in my, in my retirement, I want to be one of those baby, um, baby holders or snugglers at the hospitals, you know, That's so great. hold those babies, hold those babies. Like in the NICU, just holding babies. Yes. Yes. So, the, and you know what? I think so those moms and dads and parents and whoever is taking care of those, those sweet things can go and take a break and not feel guilty. Right. <laughs> you can do that and get paid, I bet. I bet you could find a way. I, I should ask around. I should ask I around. But, should. But, but, you know, I'm always, I, I, I love the age group that I work with. Um, I do and, too. <laughs> And they're hysterical, but my, I keep thinking to myself, my passion is early childhood education. So I would, I definitely would do something like that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, Britt, do you have anything you want to talk to Anna about or ask her about? Uh, no, Anna, just thanks so much for, for being here and, um, you know, for sharing your story with us. It's been really eye-opening. Thank you. Yeah, You're welcome. You're welcome. It was nice to talk to you both. And I appreciate you, you know, allowing me to um, be on your podcast to share my story. It's important. Yeah, I think it's very important. Well, it's important to us too. I want to get the word out and I want people to know that there are more people out there like you Mm -hmm. who might be like them. And let me just say that if you would like to reach out to us and if you have any questions about, um, information that Anna shared with us today, you can absolutely reach out to me or Britt at mm-hmm. talk to heal podcast at gmail.com. Um, looking forward to anyone's comments, questions, anything that you have to say, anything that you would like to share with us. I'm sure um, I could be a go-between if Anna, if anyone wanted to reach out, I could, I could be the go-between um, for Anna and for you. So please feel free, reach out. Um, yes. And I, like I said before, I, I think I just love to help others because I know that feeling of that loneliness and that the scary feelings of, um, not only a diagnosis that you weren't expecting in whatever that might look like, but also, um, you know, having a child with mental, um, health issues, it's, it's terrifying. And, um, so I'm happy, I'm happy to, to just, even if you need to vent, I was going to say, even just an ear, you know, like just a shoulder, just yep. an ear. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. To yep. someone who has been, been through there. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, thanks again, Anna. It has been really such a pleasure to get to know you and to hear your story. Um, and for everyone else, we'll be back with you in just a few minutes. And I am back. Thank you so much once more for joining me for this episode of Heal. It was great chatting with Anna to know and learn more about her son, learn a little bit more about Tourette's, and especially learn about how important it is for us to realize that we are worth self-care. The more we fill our own cup up, the more available we will be for people in our lives. So remember, friends, self-care is not selfish. It's really important, so we're there for everyone else. Until next time, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, and may your life be filled with ease. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon.